Hello everyone, Gary here live at Learning Technologies where I was lucky enough to speak to some brilliant people from the world of L&D for 15 to 20 minutes each and you are about to watch or listen to one of these episodes now. If you like what you're hearing from our guests, just check the description, there's a link in there where you can connect with them. That's also where you'll find the link to the death of the LMS guide, a report which helps you build a skills-first approach to L&D. So as always, any feedback or if you like this format, you can let me know on LinkedIn and otherwise enjoy the episode. Joined by Sarah Meehan, Head of Learning Content at the Access Group. The peek behind the curtain is we're here in the morning, you're delivering a great talk this afternoon on how we can go from boring to brilliant, tips for creating engaging learning content, and you've been kind enough to share some of those with us today. So I think let's get into the sort of context part of it. Why do you think so often content fails to engage learners? So we have like basic brain rules and yeah. one of those is that we don't pay attention to boring things yeah. and yet for some reason when we start creating learning content or even any business presentation we just forget this simple fact <laughs> and we vomit information yeah. at people yeah. and we sort of think great that's our job done yeah. and actually I think you need to combine a, a combination of how people learn together yeah. with good learning design, multimedia production and content development to ensure that your learning really sticks. Yeah, I think part of what you're going to speak about later as well is this not getting caught up in how something looks, but making sure the principles are, are there. You know, like, um, you, you, you can make something look pretty, but if everything else within it doesn't help people learn, then that also disengages over the long term. Yeah, so, sometimes, so you either get really engaged in just making sure that you get all of this content out of your head yeah, out there, yeah. or you get really in, into creating fancy graphics. Yeah. And what you're not thinking about is whether that's causing cognitive overload yeah. for your learners. So it's really important to get a good balance between all of those things. Yeah, something we were talking about with someone else this morning is the idea isn't for you to show how much you know on a subject, it's to help people get enough information from what you've learned or built up in experience so they can go and solve the problem for themselves, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, re and the, you're better to actually think about this principle of less is more. Yeah. Because although your urge is to kind of get everything you know out there, you're, yeah. better, you're better getting a very short bite-sized amount of information and making sure that that sticks. And then if the person's curious, they can keep coming back yeah. for more. Yeah. So I really preach about making sure that you understand the basics of cognitive load theory yeah. and information processing models, which tell us that actually we've got so much information coming at us all the time yeah. and we have a really limited working memory capacity. And in order for it to even have a chance of being encoded into long-term memory, we have to serve it up in little bite-sized morsels yeah. and give lots of brain breaks. And that really is going to help our learning stick. Yeah, yeah, it's that thing about making learning more brain-friendly. Like you said, it's people have like a, maybe a threshold for things they can learn and take away and apply. And I know you're going to be discussing that a bit later as well, but is there anything more to share on that kind of overloading people and information? So I think there's also some other good neuroscientific principles that we can stick to. Yeah. So there's something around multi-sensory learning. And this isn't, by the way, this isn't learning styles. This isn't I'm a kinesthetic learner. This isn't I'm an auditory learner because we know that learning styles is basically, it's myth. Yeah. But this is about creating multi-sensory environments. And the research shows us that actually if we can create these multi-sensory environments, it's more likely, again, that we're going to encode into our long-term memory. So in multimedia and learning content, 
I live by Mayer's principles yeah. and they really help you to make sure that you are augmenting the learning by using dual channels. So both your eyes and your ears, for example. Yeah. So in all of our learning content, we're always very intentionally thinking about dual channels and also the format. We never, we're not, we're not designing it for different styles of learning. What we're doing is we're making sure that the learning format yeah. fits the learning outcome or the learning message. Yeah. Yeah. A big thing people overlook is context, which is is what is the person doing when they're trying to learn that thing and th and what you're saying there really relates to that you know if I'm in a dark room maybe something I have to follow visually isn't going to work if I'm in a noisy environment maybe something using audio isn't going to work as well so do you see like context as part of that puzzle as well yeah absolutely and, and even taking that even further I'd say that context is so important because what you need to do is you need to create a familiar environment for your learner and I'll give you an example of that so say I'm in the legal industry and I come across a piece of learning content and it feels like it's very agnostic or it's yeah. not really related to my industry I'm immediately gonna zone out yeah. so it, we really need to make it highly relevant and the way we do that is making sure that we use examples from industry yeah. so it feels much closer to the learner and again it's more likely that we're going to um, pay attention to that we're going to be engaged in it and therefore we're going to remember it yeah it's that classic marketing principle of what's in it for me you know if you can convey people that this whether it's going to be applied now or later if you can convey why this is relevant problems it's going to solve for you and like you said social proof is in terms of Here's some examples of where this has worked or could work. I think we're, we're leaning into that a little bit as well. Yeah, and I'd say another good way to do that with your learning content is to start very early yeah. with a hook or a question that really gets the person yeah. to reflect on that. So again, in neuroscience, we talk a lot about um, being self-referential yeah. in order to get people engaged early on. And if you can create um, affective context early on, then yeah. people are going to be invested in the learning because they understand why they're doing it. Yeah. They understand exactly what you said. What are they going to get out of yeah. it? What's in it for me? Yeah. yeah, it's front-loading the value. This is, um, I love making the parallel between my marketing and copywriting and L&D, but this is something people often do. They'll write a big long intro and then some context. And then the real thing you want to know is at the very end. And really we need to flip that. So we're starting with that. Look, this is the real outcome of this. This is what you're going to get. And it's about, we call it the so what test, but every three lines, if it's written content, ask yourself so what after every sort of three lines or so, or three paragraphs. But you can't answer that, then you maybe need to go back and think about how you're phrasing it. I love the so what yeah. test, yeah. and I do think it's something that we need to be thinking more about in yeah. our learning content. But you're absolutely right. We tend to go into this like long preamble. We do yeah. a lot of theory. Yeah. So you just start a listing legislation, but actually what you need to do is get straight to the example, get yeah. straight to the practice, yeah. get straight to the questions, get those neurons firing, yeah. and then that is going to enhance engagement yeah. yeah I think we often come across the barrier that people are time poor so when people do make time to learn something they don't really want to sit through like you say preamble and then too much yeah. kind of fluffy stuff at the start like I came here to learn something and I want to learn it as quick as possible and it is a real investment for people their yeah. time and time is really precious and we need to honor and respect that yeah. and actually you're showing you care by making sure that your content is always high value and yeah. that you're not as I said at the beginning vomiting information yeah. at people yeah. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And one thing we can do to help with all of this that we spoke about so far is to make it relevant, feel relevant, but also active. So those are two things I know you'll speak about later as well, but what, what do they mean in terms of designing learning to be engaging? 
So I've talked a little bit about relevancy and making sure that you bring that very close to the industry and use lots of case studies yeah. from industry. Yeah. But we also talk a lot about being active and I mentioned being self-referential, yeah. but there are other things like you should, in, you should always make it practical yeah. because at the end of the day, your learner wants to know exactly what they need to do next. Yeah. So a really good thing is to make sure that you include a call to action. And again, I'm talking a bit yeah. marketing speak yeah. here, but include a call to action so your learners know exactly what the next step to take is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, again, it's kind of 101, but if you want someone to take an action, signpost it to them. We have to be boil it down to its simple principles. Here's what you need to do. Here's the action you need to apply. I need to give you that signpost that this is what you need to do next. Yeah. Uh, something else we were going to speak about was um, how we can tap into subject matter experts and why that helps in being engaging. Um, uh, you know, SMEs is another acronym that's thrown around all the time, but with good reason. If we can leverage people internally, we'll do a load of things from relevance to engagement to making it seem practical. But uh, yeah, I know you have some interesting thoughts. Subject matter experts are so important for us because they bring real credibility. And again, the neuroscience backs up to us up on this. So it's it's the influencer effect, right? We are more likely to do the things that people we respect tell us to do. But the other thing is that people who are subject matter experts inherently are super interested and engaged with what they're there to talk about. Yeah. And so you can use that actually to kind of hook your audience in and then get them excited and interested. So my tip here is think about the people in your industry or even in your business and who are the influencers and actually just go and approach them. Sometimes we're almost too scared to reach yeah. out, <laughs> but People actually want to talk about the thing they're passionate yeah. about. So I would say, go and just approach them and see if they will appear in your content. Yeah, no, funny enough, we were speaking about this with someone else earlier, but the biggest thing people tap into is emotion. Like, if you if someone is telling a story about, I was in this place and uh, learning or content helped me move from here to here and this is how it's benefited me, it's so much better than you trying to tell people why the learning is important or why the content's relevant. And you make such a good point there yeah. about emotion, because yeah. actually, if we don't feel it, we don't see it. Yeah. And so our SMEs can help bring some of that emotion, yeah. and that really is going to be another way to make the learning stick. Yeah. It also brings this real human-centered element yeah. to it, and my big passion is being human-centered. Yeah. And so if we can have real people telling real stories, then we are going to enhance engagement. Yeah, and I think part of that is the mindset, isn't it? Let's view people as humans. Um, we were talking about this with Hannah uh, Wadhams earlier about marketing principles for L&D, but that is one of them. Like if you're already viewing people as learners, there's kind of this bias that they're there to learn, whereas actually they're people uh, with their own motivations. And yeah, I guess that's, is there any more advice around how we can be more human-centered? I think a great way to do this is to um, remind yourself that actually, and again, the science backs us up on this, that people are inherently relationship seeking yeah. and they are inherently curious. So really try and bring that into your media. So keep it conversational. Yeah. You and me are having a conversation yeah. right now and that is going to be more engaging mm. than me just talking yeah. at someone. Mm. And also you can tell stories. Yeah. Two thirds of conversations are stories. Mm. And stories are great because they provide framework, they help us encode and they bring in that emotion, emotional response, which is what we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, something worth remembering as well is if we think conversational, we might think of um, like verbal or audio or video. 
but actually we can convey that in written content as well. Like some people, as soon as they get in front of a keyboard, it's like they go into this very like formalized way of writing. But if you have a tone of voice across your learning, this is gonna all come across, isn't it? Do you know what? I have a great tip for that. I actually say to everyone, always read out loud what yes. you're writing. Yeah. Because you're right, when we start writing, we just naturally tend to have a very formal tone. And then you'll say it to yourself and you'll think, Heavens, that yeah, sounds so yeah. boring. So if you just read it out to yourself, you'll yeah. begin to really be able to make it more conversational. Yeah, yeah, and the person on the other end is going to read it in their head. So you're right. Like you don't want to sound like you swallowed a thesaurus, and yes. then now you're just trying to get as many fancy words in there as possible. So yeah, all of these are are great ways to keep people engaged by putting the human at the centre of the learning. I guess, is there any sort of final things we missed that you think it's worth sharing on this time? Now, of course we're talking about being yeah. human. I'd love to talk a little bit about yeah. AI, because yeah. obviously we're here at Learning Tech and there's a lot of talk about AI. Yeah. And I just want to give some of my thoughts about it. Yeah. So we actually are using AI to really speed up our workflows and to really make us work kind of smarter, not harder. Yeah. But we're also incredibly cautious because we don't want the AI to kind of allow us to be less human because yeah. actually we're all striving to be more human, yeah. more authentic and more real. So we, we always think, does this AI allow us to be more conversational yeah. and more human-centered? Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of that is thinking about testing AI on a small scale because we can, the quality of the prompt equals the quality of the outcome. So if we just put in something very formulaic into the prompt, we will probably get something straight down the middle. But if we try and put prompts in there, like make it in a conversational style, maybe it would work, but you kind of need to test it on a small scale before you go the whole hog. And I think you've always got to keep the human in the loop, yeah. right? Because um, certain AI can be so confidently wrong. Yeah. So it's really good to yeah. keep the human in the loop yeah. and use it as an amazing co-worker, which it is. Yeah. yeah, it's like so many things. It will have its place and it's yes. for you to figure out where, you know, if you're doing something, like we said, if it's a personal story with a subject matter expert, asking them to go away to AI and then type in the prompt and just sign off on something. We're gonna lose what we wanted to get from the first place. So exactly. it's about finding your place for it. Um, perfect, so good luck this afternoon. Thank you um, so much. Thanks for speaking with us. We'll put all the links to where people can connect with you, uh, find out more about the Access Group in the description of wherever they're watching or listening. But um, yeah, thanks a lot, Sarah. Thank you, thank you. Before you head off, I want to tell you about two very exciting things. Death of the LMS, your free guide to skills first L&D is now live. From the numbers that explain L&D's current problems to lessons on how you can build a skills-led strategy, this is going to help you drive more impact through learning. You'll find the link right at the top of this episode's description. And just below that, a link to our new weekly walkthrough where we show you how this can be done in practice and give you a tour of how now. Our learning experience platform that gets five times more engagement than a traditional LMS. So, Thanks for listening and we look forward to seeing you again for another episode of the podcast.